Hello and welcome to the Do You Have the Right Priorities to Grow podcast, the first in a series of podcasts about growth. On this episode, we'll be focusing specifically on the seven key factors that affect a middle market company's ability to grow. We'll also dive into a few of those factors so you can prioritize the activities that will have the greatest impact on your company's growth. And with that, I'll pass you over to your host for this episode, Sam Ganga. My name is Sam Ganga, and I'm a partner at KPMG, focusing on digital transformation. Thank you, Sam. This is Tom Stewart. I'm the executive director of the National Center for the Middle Market at The Ohio State University. And thanks, Sam. Great to join you today. Uh, my name is Doug Farron. I'm the managing director here at the center. So I work with Tom on all of our uh, research uh, programs and activities. Excellent. Thank you, Tom and Doug. So, Tom, let's start with an easy question. What is the National Center for the Middle Market? Can you give us a brief overview and introduction? Yeah, very quick at a 30,000 feet. We're an eight-year-old um, research center, part of the Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. Uh, focused on and devoted to trying to understand the impact and importance of mid-sized companies and also trying to understand the capabilities, tools, knowledge, and agenda that they need in order to become very successful. The middle market is basically the forgotten middle child of American business. We hear a lot about small business and entrepreneurs. We hear a lot about big business and captains of industry, but in the middle, 200,000 companies representing the middle third of private employment and GDP, that's actually where you see the most dynamic growth in the U.S. economy. But we're the only guys that have really focused on studying it and studying the unique challenges and opportunities that these companies face. So it's a fast-growing sector, a relatively unknown area, and we're really delighted to be able to bring some of our insights to the KPMG audience about what we've learned about mid-sized companies. That's fantastic. Um, I think that's uh, very timely given where we are in our, in our economy. You identified some key growth drivers, Tom um, and, and Doug. Can you share what those drivers are? Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about the work that we did. So as Tom mentioned, uh, the center has been in existence almost eight years now. And one of our key ongoing pieces of research and tracking is a, a study that we call the middle market indicator. So every quarter we survey a thousand companies, middle, mid-sized companies across the U.S. We ask about performance, revenue growth, employment growth, uh, confidence in various levels of the economy, where they're investing their capital, as well as key challenges, among other things. And we have consistently seen the middle market growing faster than both large and small business. And the underlying question was always, well, what drives that growth? What are the variables? And is it possible to actually determine, you know, by weighting, what are the key factors that drive maybe more so than others? So working with our partners here at the university and, and outside, we took five years worth of this data. So again, that's 20,000 company surveys. And we were able to come up with uh, seven key factors. And we've been sharing and discussing uh, these different factors of growth now for the last year or so. It's been really interesting. The seven factors, just overall, to give the overall picture of as, as actions you take to expand your market, so market expansion, having a formal growth strategy, what you do about investing in innovation, how you attract and retain staff quality, 
how well you manage your capital and your finances, how efficiently you manage your operations, and what you do to develop your staff. Now, the biggest of those factors is the market expansion. Market expansion uh, and those activities account for almost a quarter of the growth of middle market companies, 23.4% if you're, if you're being specific. But the two talent factors, attracting and retaining talent and developing the talent, those two combined are almost precisely equal to market expansion. So if you, and those two together account for about 45, 46% of middle market growth. But those seven drivers work together. They're mutually reinforcing in different ways. We can talk about that if we want to, but those are the two big ones. What are you doing to make sure you're pushing your goods and services out on a larger playing field? And what are you doing to make sure that you attract, retain, and develop the human capital that is necessary to, to, to drive the growth? Thank you. Uh, I, I really love the fact that you've done the research behind this and, and your research has given you this information around the seven growth factors. Given that today's uh, podcast is about do you have what it takes to grow, let's focus on a few of these, right? Let's start with what does it take to win at expansion? So, Tom, if you could give us sort of your perspective based on the research you've done around this, that would be great. You know, you think about it, I and mean, the funny thing is these data are really rigorous. Some of them are really surprising and some of them are not, right? One of the things we know about getting, expanding your market is you want to sell more goods or serve more of what you're selling to the customers you already have. So you want to expand your customer. If, I, if I'm selling to Joe, I want to sell more and more to Joe. And another thing is that you want to sell to Joe, Jane, John, you know, June. You want to excel to more different people. Within that market expansion thing, Salesforce effectiveness turns out to be the number one sub-factor in market expansion. So really making sure that your sales reps are the best possible reps, that you're giving them the right compensation structure, a compensation structure that fits your kind of industry, which may be different from industry to industry, supporting them with the technology they have, that's critical. But then the other part is selling over a larger playing field. And Doug, you can talk a little bit about, about some of those elements. Yeah, we've done some prior research actually looking at opportunities for international business expansion in the middle market. Um, we've looked at things like exporting, uh, global opportunities, partnerships, things of that nature. And as it turns out, those are several of the sub-factors. As Tom mentioned, you know, having a, the right sales force, attracting new customers to your business, marketing and communications uh, capabilities, but also looking at new geographic markets and potentially looking at fast-growing foreign markets. Now, some of the challenges that middle market companies have are limited resources, lack of experience, um, you know, finding the right partner to work with to help them, uh, some of those barriers to entry and challenges that they might face. So those are the, some of the things we've seen uh, previously in this area. You know, uh, international is a really good example. When you think about it, you know, it's one thing to sell in, you know, Dayton, Denver, or wherever you want to be selling in the United States, but the minute you go abroad, Every function in your company, your finance function, your HR function, your sales function, your distribution function, every one of those functions needs to add new capabilities. And so you, this, you know, it, it's, it's, an, it's not just a, you know, an add-on and a plug-in. It is a real transformational change. 
But when you think about it, mid-sized companies are the companies that have the opportunity to grow internationally. They have the most potential and the, and the biggest gap between their potential and their achievement. So it's a big opportunity for them to build those market expansion capabilities, building a marketing function, working on the sales force, and, and, and as I said, thinking about those things that you need to do to sell in new and expanded markets here and abroad. Fascinating. I love the fact that, you know, when you look at all the, the data that you've collected, the analysis that you've done, it sort of comes down to some things that are very detailed, very actionable, and we'll cover that in a minute. But as you're looking at, you know, international expansion or Salesforce effectiveness, how do, how do you approach this? What does it take to win with, with planning? How do you plan for this? You know, this is so interesting, Sam. One of the things that's fascinating is that a lot of what we, you know, the universal we know about business is derived from studies of big companies because there's a lot of data and business schools do all this work on them and major consulting firms do a lot of work with them. But finding out what's right-sized for a $100 million company, you can't just take what works for a $10 billion company and lop off a couple of zeros and say, hey, go do this. We were just talking about that with international. The same thing holds for planning. You know, we think about planning and sometimes people think about a strategic planning cycle and black binders full of studies and so on and so forth. The key issue for mid-sized companies is having just enough process. You need to have a process. And, and the mere fact of having a process around strategy can be new for some of these companies. They're often used to working very informally and saying, you've got to build some structure around it. And that structure and the, the research into these 20,000 companies shows that that structure has to have three elements. One element is where you're getting your inputs. Do you have a diverse, robust stream of, 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 of inputs from your customers, from your employees, from market research studies, from trade associations? Are you getting those inputs from a diverse source and are they rigorous? The second thing is the process itself. Who's in, you know, do you have a regular team? Does it have a cadence? Do people have some responsibility for it and accountability for it? And the third element is communication. And ironically, sometimes mid-sized companies, because they're relatively small, underinvest and underestimate the amount of communication that it takes, even for a workforce of 200, 300 people, to make sure that everybody understands what the plan is and what their role, in, role is. So good inputs, a process to digest those inputs and turn them into a strategy, and a process for making sure that everybody on the team understands what's going on. Those are the three key elements, but you can't overburden it, right? You, got, you don't want to do a big company process is going to weigh you down, but you don't just want a bunch of guys in a room saying, hey, what do you think we ought to do next year? You want something in between. Yeah, no, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you touched upon how do you do it, right? One of the things you touched upon was, was talent. And, of course, the ability to attract talent for a mid-market company is very different than, than for a global conglomerate. Uh, can you touch on that? A little bit in terms of the growth agenda itself? Yes, Sam, I can talk a little bit about that to start, and I'm sure Tom will jump in here. But, uh, you know, being at a university, <laughs> this is uh, 
obviously an issue that we keep our eye on as our graduates go out into the workforce and looking at the different companies and their challenges. But, you know, in that middle market indicator report that I mentioned earlier, we have seen talent as the number one challenge for mid-sized companies for the past couple of years. Again, not very surprising given where we're at with, you know, such historically low unemployment and uh, so forth. But uh, when we look at the best-performing middle market companies, they're the ones that are doing the innovative things to not only attract the right people, uh, but retain them and develop them while they're in the company. Now, that can also be challenging because a lot of middle market companies have very short career ladders, especially when you compare them to maybe some of the opportunities. As you mentioned, a global conglomerate might have a lot more opportunity to maybe jump around, go to different divisions, look at different responsibilities. Yet, in our experience, and, and well, as the research would show, um, keeping the right people uh, involves a couple of different techniques and a couple of different tactical things. You know, one is uh, getting them close to the work, getting close to the leadership team, providing the right benefits and other opportunities. Uh, that will allow them to stay, but maybe most importantly is providing some career pathing and investing in training and development. It's an interesting stat that we found in some research on talent planning. Mid-sized companies recognize that identifying my key can't-lose players is critically important, and they say they're really good at it. So I really know that I need to, that these are the key people I, I, I have and the key people I need to keep. They also recognize that succession planning is really important, and they say they're not very good at it. So I know I can't lose John, but I don't have a successor lined up for him. And, and so, again, you get to this interesting question about process and planning and, and learn. It's almost a maturity model of, of trying to figure out what do I need to do so that I can attract the people I have, keep the people I want to keep, and make sure they're developed. And that's, that's another thing, and Doug was mentioning the, the, you know, low, the, the historically low unemployment rates. One issue that mid-market companies have is they can be great places to work with great opportunities, but often their employer brand is not as well known. You know, Google is not suffering right now because of a shortage of job applicants because everybody knows about them. But there are companies in fintech and other technology spaces, every bit is challenging, meeting people every bit is good, but they have a harder time projecting an employer brand. And so they really need to think about what do I do to create talent pools? What do I do to create, you know, to, to identify the talent I need, go out and find it in a proactive way and not just wait for it to ring my doorbell because it's not going to do that. I can appreciate that. That's uh, It's a very tough market out there and uh, not having that brand is, um, is an impediment uh, that they need to get creative on. Um, you know, one of the things, and we'll, we'll We'll sort of end with this one major point uh, that we've talked about before. I'd love to hear what your research has indicated, which is around digital and the disruption agenda. I don't think you're going to get arguments from any CEO that this is all top of their mind, one of the things that's top of mind for them. Um, how should a middle market company think about participating in the opportunities uh, that this disruption and transformation provide? Eagerly. <laughs> Short answer is we actually have we, we we've some done some research that's that's adjacent to this uh, DNA of middle market growth research, looking at 
digital transformation, and again with surveys of, 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 of by now thousands of mid-sized companies, we've segmented them into four groups. We call the digitally strategic, those who have a real strategic focus on digital transformation. They, they know an endpoint and they know how they're going to get there. The advanced, the strategic, the advanced, the defensive, the defensive are saying, I'm going to keep up with the Joneses. I'm going to do what I need to do to keep up. And then there are those who aren't there, maybe deniers or laggards of some sort. You get about 10% in the strategic bucket. In the, the two middle buckets of advanced and, and, and defensive sort of are about, I think, 20 30% each, and then a bunch of people in, in the sort of laggard bucket. Uh, but the sales difference, the growth difference, the, the advanced companies are growing about 25% faster than the strategic and it, or the, than the, the the strategic companies are growing about 25% faster than the advanced and defensive and a lot faster than the laggards. The growth is there, uh, and so the first thing is seize it. Uh, and, and I think some of these other issues that we talked about talent is critical, finding people with digital talent. Having a plan is critical, and, and re recognizing how you're going to get from laggard to advanced or laggard or defensive to strategic, and connecting that to revenue streams. One of the biggest things that we find is that companies say, I see all these investments, but I'm having a hard time tracking an ROI. And, and I think the degree to which you can look at these growth factors and say, wait a minute, if I go into my finance function, this is how I'm going to be more efficient in finance. This is what I can do with that money that will pr produce expansion. This is what I can do with lead gen, uh, digital marketing, digital support for my sales force um, so that I can improve sales force effectiveness and improve my customer insight. That's the way you start connecting these, these things to an ROI and if you do that in the context of a plan, then suddenly it doesn't become a bunch of disconnected digital initiatives. It becomes a program that is sort of transforming the enterprise for the 21st century. I can't agree more, uh, Tom, on that. And, uh, you know, when you look at the ability to bring all of this together, you mentioned this when you opened the fact that these seven growth drivers, they're all connected, they're all weighted, they all interact with each other. Doing one won't get you what you need. It might be necessary, but not sufficient. Putting it all together and connecting it back to an ROI is actually how our audience and our middle market um, uh, leaders can think about delivering results, delivering outcomes. I appreciate uh, your time today, Tom uh, and Doug. Uh, it was very valuable, uh, and hopefully our audience got some very specific recommendations on how to think about, um, you know, the whole notion of being able to, you know, enable your growth agenda and really determine whether you have the right priorities to grow. And you've laid out a great framework uh, for them to think through all of it. Thank you again. Yeah, for thank your time. you. I mean, we are delighted to be working with KPMG on this and look forward to a lot more. Thanks, Sam. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of this podcast series. Do you have the right capabilities to grow? And do you have the right planning and funding to grow? If you'd like to learn more about identifying your growth priorities, check out our Do You Have the Right Priorities to Grow webcast, where Tom and Doug take the conversation even deeper. 
Not sure how you stack up against other middle market companies on these seven growth factors? Take our self-assessment and see how you compare. And visit our webpage to learn more about KPMG Mid-Market. Thanks for joining us.